the human brain is not capable of feeling inferior or comparing ourselves to how good somebody else is doing at the same time we are noticing what we appreciate about somebody else. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent. It is your gal, Carly, over here, and I am so glad you're here. You know, a woman said to me a few years ago, one of my clients, Carly, I just don't feel authentic. Sure, I go to these work events, I like them, I like most of the people I work with, but the whole time I'm at these kind of social work events, anxiety is rattling in my chest and I'm exhausted afterwards. And all I can do is get home, get on the sofa, eat whatever bag of chips is left over in my cupboard for dinner, and then totally judge myself for not exercising that night or cooking a better meal or doing any of the other things that I planned. And here's the thing, I'm not lying. I just don't feel like I'm totally being myself either. And she added later on in the conversation how she just generally feels kind of like she's solo when she's at work, even though she's got teammates, even though she's part of an entire organization. There's just so much on her plate. And while she has cordial relationships, she doesn't feel like she's got allies that she can really trust or go to for support. And her comments remind me of, A, how I felt through most of middle school and high school, (laughs) if not the entire way through, surrounded by people and still not totally connected to them. But it also reminded me of what it was like in my touring with celebrities days. So when I used to be the live-in coach for one high-profile person at a time, I'd be part of an entourage. And there's definitely an essential element of teamwork that happens in an entourage. But in most of them, not all of them, but in most of the entourages I was in, there was also a sense of like, dog-eat-dog. You're kind of on your own. You didn't really have anybody to go to for support. You got thrown into the fire and either you handled it or you didn't. And I felt like folks didn't really get me. And I couldn't really show up fully myself or bring my best ideas to the table because I didn't know if they would be appreciated or heard or or what. And what I didn't realize until many years later was that, of course, people didn't get me. Of course, they didn't understand me. They didn't know me because I wasn't sharing who I fully was with them. They just knew this kind of watered down, adjusted version of myself much like my client's coworkers here, didn't fully know her. So I just want to pause here for a moment, if you're listening, and appreciate how much work you have likely done by yourself. I bet you've done a lot. I bet you have figured out a lot of things. You've done the research, or you've read the books, or you've done the studying, you've taken the courses, you've taught yourself, whatever it was. Or maybe you moved to a new city, or started a new career. You just jumped in at some point and you figured it out as you went along. And then I want us to consider here for a moment, if that's how much you've already done by yourself, how much might you be capable of if you had a little more support where 
possible. And if you're thinking like, geez, Louise Carly, of course, I'd love to have support. How does that become possible? (laughs) Don't we all want support? I just want to throw out there that A, this isn't an overnight thing, but B, shifts in support do start to happen pretty quick. And if you've been hungry for help, even just a little nibble of good community can really take the edge off. So this month, the theme of Messy and Magnificent is sharing with you the most valuable professional asset we can have. And that's a community that bolsters your ideas and your best work. So maybe you caught two episodes ago on our big celebration, our 100th episode, three things we covered about community. Number one, what community really is and why it's so important. Number two, the four benefits of belonging to community. And then thirdly, we went over the five specific types of community. And I gave you an informal exercise to see which of these types of community really speaks to you right now. So if you've heard that, great, because that's really good foundation for what we're about to cover today. And if you didn't, no worries. You can go back and listen to that later. We're going to dive right in and I'm going to guide you through today's subject. Just so you know, any episode, resource, person I mention in this podcast, if you go to the show notes, wherever you're listening, you can find links or the information on how to learn more about that. And depending on which podcast platform you listen to us with, they don't all allow for hyperlinks. So you can also head on over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast, find this episode, and everything is one click away if you want to learn more about anything specific that really speaks to you. So today, here's what we're going to cover. We're going to talk about how to find and embrace your community in a rather unconventional way. I'm going to explain how you get into community with yourself first. Because before we can go out there looking for our ideal communities externally, we have to be a little bit clearer about exactly who it is that we want to have our back. And it starts with you having your own back in a rather unique way. In other words, this is how you're going to know where the people are that will really appreciate, celebrate, and walk the two-way path of mutual support with you, beginning with you walking that path with yourself. So specifically, here's what we're going to cover. Number one, we're going to talk about the common thoughts that accidentally exacerbate the isolation or alone feeling that many high-achieving women experience. Number two, We're going to talk about why you're not, quote, the only one, as in having to experiencing what you're experiencing solo, and why that I'm the only one thought is actually the gateway to the connection we're looking for with other people. And then third, we're going to go over a very simple activity that you can do on your own this week to bring you in closer community to yourself and pick up an incredibly valuable new skill that you've been looking forward to having for a long time along the way. So consider this episode like the runway to your ideal crew. This is the place we go to prepare for takeoff and already see yourself gaining momentum and feeling closer to what gives you passion, zest, and your best work before the wheels even go up as you approach your new best communities. And speaking of community, did you know that there's an entire community of people that help make the Messy and Magnificent podcast possible every week? Well, we're going to do something really special. This is the part where I normally get to pause and give a shout out to a listener, but we're actually going to get to hear the voices of some of our podcast 
team members giving some very special shout outs about what their experience has been like behind the scenes at Messy and Magnificent doing episodes for over a hundred times. This week, we are joined by our producer, Ginny Saraswati, who, for better or worse, is about to spill the tea on what happens behind the scenes over the last couple of years together. Hey, everyone. My name is Ginny Saraswati. I'm the CEO and founder of Ginny Media, a podcast production company based out of New York City. Now, we have the honor and the privilege of producing Carly's podcast. What are one of my favorite podcast moments with Carly? There's been too many to actually pick from, but my top two that stand out very vividly in my mind is one of her first episodes where Carly taught us to use the word and as opposed to but, because we can feel many things at the same time. You know, there is a certain polarity in how we feel about certain things and situations. And it doesn't have to be, I feel this way, but it's, I feel this way. And I also feel this other way too. So that's been a very powerful game changer for me because I'm able to really sit and be aware of my feelings about certain things. Another favorite podcast moment I have with Carly is the, just one of the recent episodes about pausing the many ways to pause And it's so true. It's not just about pausing as in taking time out and chilling out, but there's many ways of pausing. And I'm like, I didn't think of pausing that way, but that is so true. It's just that Carly Fane wisdom and magic that she brings to all her podcast episodes. So those are my two favorite moments. What it's like to work on this project for a hundred weeks is the fact that you really do see progress growth and results with consistency. Now, I say this to all of my podcasting clients, and I know a lot of professionals in their expertise or their industry say the same thing to their clients. Consistency will get you growth. Consistency will get you closer to where you want to be. And this is no different. To be a part of this podcast and to see the thousands and thousands of people we've touched worldwide has been phenomenal. So I have a bit of a joke question for Carly. Carly brings this up a lot in her episodes and even in the one-on-one coaching sessions I have with her. She always mentions bonbons. So Carly, what are bonbons exactly? You're like, you're like, Ginny, you know, you could put your feet up for the rest of the year and eat bonbons. I'm like, I'd love to do that, but what are bonbons? So Carly, that is my question to you. What on earth are bonbons and how can I get me some? Because bonbons in my knowledge are those things that you pull at Christmas. You know what I'm talking about, like you each grab a hold of each end and you pull and whoever pulls the hardest gets the toy. I'm like, I can't eat that. So Carly, what are these bonbons that you talk about? Oh, Ginny, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for sharing your experience with us all. And I'm so glad you asked me about bonbons. I could talk chocolate with you all day long. So bonbons, for anybody who doesn't live in the U.S. or hasn't heard of these before, are an old school treat, kind of like a chocolate truffle, except that it's filled with some type of yummy filling inside. Ginny, keep an eye out in your mailbox. I'll be sending a little something your way. And hey, if you want me to send you my favorite chocolates too, and by golly, I'm a little bit of a chocolate pro, go leave a review over on iTunes so that I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode and then email Anitza. A-N-I-T-Z-A at everybodythrive.com to tell us which review was yours and perhaps you'll get a little something sweet in the mail too. All right, so let's talk about the ways we cultivate community 
right here where we are before you even have to invite anybody else. We're going to start with our first mini subject here around the experience of feeling like you're the only one. And when I say having only one kind of thoughts, keep an eye out as I go through the following list to see if any one or two of these stands out as particularly relatable as things maybe you have thought yourself or you've heard another woman say. Things that sound like this person or perhaps everyone doesn't really get me. They don't get me. Or I'm the only one like this in the room or in this situation. Or do I even deserve to be here? Everyone is more qualified than I am to be doing this. We also hear things like, everyone is better at this than I am, or they've had more experience, or why am I always behind? Perhaps secretly behind, because odds are a lot of people are impressed with how much you're getting done. You're just feeling like you know you're capable of more, but when are you supposed to get to that? Or maybe thoughts that sound like they have no idea what this is like for me. Or they don't see or appreciate me for what I'm really good at. They have me doing these other things. But really, there's other things that I'm great at. Or they haven't been through this before. So they have no idea what they're talking about. I know what I'm talking about. They don't. Other things we see, I have just a few more for you are, if I want this done right, I've got to do it myself. Or all the work always falls on my shoulders no matter what I do. Or I never get this right but there's really not anybody that can help me, so I'm just gonna have to keep plodding along. And then finally, another common thought we hear in this alone vernacular is, this would be so much faster or easier to do if I just had a little support with this. So if you can relate to any of these, I'm the only one thoughts here. First of all, I want you to know this. These are incredibly common mental characteristics for high-achieving women. So if you're brushing up against any of these, just because you're hearing these thoughts does not mean that they're true. And the reason that I'm able to list these so clearly is because I hear them again and again in countless conversations with wonderful, qualified, capable women. Now I'm going to give you an example of what that can look like here in a moment. But first, this whole thing of feeling like we're entirely alone reminds me of a section of a book I was reading a few years ago, The Book of Joy. This was written by Douglas Carlton Abrams as he did a series of conversations with Archbishop Desmond Tutu and His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and he was asking them, okay, real talk, you're a human being. Sometimes you're going to suffer. Things are going to be hard. How in the world do you cultivate joy in the face of things that are immensely challenging or that feel insurmountable? And they responded by saying, in our darkest moments, I am aware that there is somebody else on the earth who is also having one of their darkest moments. And so even though I might be feeling alone within the room or the space that I am in, the truth is, is in that moment, there is somebody else suffering too. And in that way, When things feel their hardest, I am actually never alone. And I think there's something really powerful about that statement, the awareness that even though our brain tells us we're the only ones or we're the only one experiencing suffering of of a specific kind, the truth is there are other people going through challenges. And if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so alone in this, 
somebody else is to somewhere else. Now, I want to make this really clear as I talk about this kind of mindset shift. I noticed this really interesting phenomenon in the field of coaching, which continues to be dominated by a lot of very privileged white coaches, is that there's a lot of talk about needing to change our mindset in order to have the community we want or to have the job we want or the opportunities we want. And mindset is incredibly important. It does make a tremendous difference. But I also want to be very clear with the fact that some people have been consciously or culturally excluded from community or resources for support. For example, women have been excluded from the financial community with laws and limits to their access to financial education. Now, this happens across the world, but I can think of how here in America, my mother, so just one generation ago, couldn't have a credit card or own a home in her name in the state in which she lived at the time when she first came of age. So she wasn't allowed to be in that conversation, and no amount of mindset was going to give her access to that community. And there are institutions like patriarchy and colonialism and white supremacy that function to separate society into individual silos rather than elevate everyone together. So next week, we're going to get into specifically how to be included in the ideal communities you want to be in and how to make sure that those communities are inclusive of all people, especially if you've got some privilege in your back pocket, then it is your job to not just have yourself in those ideal communities, but to make sure that you are paving a path for it to be a safe spot for other people to join the community and to be welcomed with open arms. But first things first, when we talk about inclusion, we've got to talk about including yourself in the ideal community that you'd like to be a part of. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time or energy or money or downright satisfaction. You see, women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know that boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. There's something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. So you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com. And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. There's nothing for sale in there. Just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else. Because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. So we're going to go through a very simple activity that you can give a whirl. I'm going to give you three specific prompts that will move you closer into rich community with yourself so that you can see your own values. You can see the extraordinary things you bring to the table. 
so that as you enter new communities, you feel confident in your place there. So check out this story. This comes to us from Chitra IR. She did a wonderful TED Talk on how to build community when you feel isolated. And Chita runs a nonprofit organization, and she's a really profound educator. And she was talking about how she has always considered herself a terrible singer, such a bad singer, that when she would sing in karaoke or even just happy birthday around the table with friends, people would cringe, right? It was disastrous. They preferred her to stop singing. And so she knew she wanted to have more confidence in her voice, so she decided to join a community of singers. She was going to come be part of a singing class. She thought, this is how I'll get over my fear. And so she showed up for the class. And on the first day, the instructor gave everybody an opportunity to explain why they were there, what particular singing challenges they were brushing up against. And she's sitting here in this new space. And she hears one person talk about how as a professional opera singer, (laughs) she's always felt a little uncomfortable singing. And somebody else goes on to share how they just want to feel a little bit more confident in their role singing in The Lion King on Broadway. (laughs) And as they go around the room, she realizes that she is in the company of incredibly talented professional singers. And all she wants to be able to do is squeak through a happy birthday song without mortifying herself or causing audible pain to her friends. And that's when the teacher delivers the kicker. The teacher says, great, the way we're going to get started today is you're each going to take a turn singing and nobody's going to do anything else other than listen to you intently. Now, the teacher doesn't offer any mindset tricks. They don't offer any physical or technical skills like how to use your diaphragm or how to cultivate your voice. The teacher just expected them to dive in and get started with one caveat. Your role when listening Chitra said, was to notice specific things while that person was singing that you really appreciated or enjoyed. And you were going to have to repeat those to the person when they were done singing. And they had to be incredibly specific. They couldn't be general comments like, I really like your voice or good song choice. You had to be able to say something about that work that was unique specifically to them. Now, Chitra is terrified. She does not choose to go first. The first person jumps in, and as she's listening for what she likes, she realizes something that we have known in the field of coaching and positive psychology for a little while, which is that the human brain is not capable of feeling inferior or comparing ourselves to how good somebody else is doing at the same time We are noticing what we appreciate about somebody else. Did you catch that? Because I find it fascinating. Our brain cannot notice our failures or explain to us why we're not good enough at something at the same time we are noticing what somebody else is doing well. And so with that in mind, we're going to go through a series of prompts that's going to help you recognize what you are doing well by looking at what you admire in the world. So I'm going to give you three specific questions to consider here. Ready? And I encourage you as I go through these questions to jot them down and jot your answers down too. Don't just hold this exercise in that beautiful mind of yours. You're going to get so much more from it if you get a little objectivity. 
So get out a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper or get your fingers on your keyboard or your thumbs on your phone as you type in a simple note of response to each of the following prompts. Here we go. Prompt number one, as you cultivate a closer community with yourself and a valuable new skill that's unique to your goals, is I want you to answer this question. Who is doing something well that you really appreciate that you would also like to do well? So in response to this, you might say, for example, I really like the way Sarah speaks at our team meetings. I look forward to when she talks. Great, right? Simple. Notice that's not the most profound thought ever. It's not some superhuman skill. It's just acknowledging the first thing that comes to mind. So take a beat and acknowledge for yourself. Who is doing something that you really appreciate that you would also like to be doing well? Now, this could be related to your career or not. You might be really surprised with who comes to mind. Roll with it. Trust the first thought you have here. So once we're aware of who this person is and a little bit about what they're doing that you appreciate or you admire or respect, now we're going to get specific with it. I want you to list one, two, or three specific things about what it is that you like about this person or what they're doing. So if we continued on with this Sarah example, you might say, okay, Sarah, when she's at the team meeting, she is warm, but she's also concise. So she has this great way of being very personable, but she gets to the point. She doesn't chit-chat for too long. I appreciate that about her. Or you might say, you know, when Sarah talks, She acknowledges with a lot of transparency the challenges that she's up against this week at work on a current project, and she's also quick to explain her plan to address these challenges. So in that way, she's very human, she's very authentic, but she's also demonstrating her capability, and that's inspiring to me. So get specific here, right? Dig in for a moment about what is it about this person or what they're doing that I really appreciate? And do more if you can, and then just think about it in your brain. If you've got the moment, jot it down or come back later when you can. And here's the final prompt. This is where we're going to get to really hold what it is that you admire and begin to live and breathe it into your days too. So in this way, this attribute is part of your personal community, and it's also a skill set that you will bring to the communities you're part of. So ready? I want you to consider this thing that you admire in this other person. If there is an element that you are already doing of this. So if we go back to the Sarah example and, and you've said, yes, I love how warm she is in her language. Are you also warm in your language sometime? Or I really appreciate when she's concise. Well, I want you to think about, are there any moments where you're concise? Maybe you're concise when you send a text message. Maybe you're concise in email. Maybe you're really concise when you're cooking and you only use three ingredients for most of your meals, right? I want you to notice where you might already be doing the thing that you admire. Dig deep with that. If something doesn't come to mind right away, that's okay. Continue to ask the question. Where might I be doing some element of what it is that I admire or appreciate or respect or aspire to? And then the follow-up question there is, 
how might I do maybe 3% more of that this week on purpose? So if you're concise when you cook and you keep your meals real short and to the point, then you might say, how could I take this skill that I've got and apply it to my emails? What is it about dinner that allows me to be concise? Is it because I've got a time constraint? I've only got 20 minutes to cook. What if I set a timer on my emails? Now, if you do some digging on this and you really think, no, I'm not doing this thing that I admire so much yet, that's A-OK too. Then the question is just simply, how might I weave 3% of this into my days? So if I'm not being concise yet, what would being just 3% more concise look like? Now, that 3% is important. We talk about that figure here a lot because it's been proven to be enough to cause significant positive shifts, but not so much that it becomes burdensome or so much that we're not going to do it. What is simple gets done for women with full lives. So why is this approach effective when it comes to cultivating community? Why is it that we're talking specifically about you and what you admire if the goal here is to be in connection with other people? Well, look, I could say, hey, make a list of your hobbies and your interests and then go find people that do those hobbies and interests. But if it was as simple as that, we would have all found our ideal community by now. See, what we're finding for women these days is we just don't want numbers of people with us. We want the right people with us, the ones that champion what it is that we too uniquely appreciate. So for example, maybe you like painting, so signing up for a painting class makes sense if you're looking for community, but it's probably not just about being around other painters, is it? It's probably being around other painters that you're going to connect with easily, that are going to support you and you're going to support them back, that you're going to have some commonality in terms of personality traits or values with. So make no mistake about it. The activity or the interest we have, it is only the vehicle to community. It's the connection, the support, and the shared resources that is the destination that we drive that vehicle to. So let's take it back to the earlier example here from Chita Ayar when she was talking about, I want to feel confident using my voice. I want to feel comfortable and skilled, at least enough to not be painful when I'm singing with other people. So she reached out to a singing class as a means of tapping into this deep desire that she had to belong, to be part of groups of people who were singing, whether it's karaoke or happy birthday or with a bunch of your friends when the windows are rolled down in the car. So we don't confuse being in the same room or online with being in community. Being with people does not necessarily make us less isolated. Being with community involves connection. So remember when I mentioned at the start of this episode some of Brene Brown's research on belonging? Here's a quote of hers from an article that Azrael Rochelle Rochelle wrote for Uplift. Uplift is an organization that works to bring people together for stronger, more connected communities. And in there, they quoted Brene Brown as saying, belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. Because true belonging only happens 
when we present our authentic and perfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance, end quote. Did you catch that? Did you catch what Brene was mentioning about how trying to fit in, squeeze in, alter ourselves accidentally sabotages our ability to form the meaningful sense of belonging that so many of us crave? And I just want to acknowledge for anybody who has created masks in order to just get in the door in the first place or in order to feel safe. These are real survival traits that a lot of us have developed as coping mechanisms to make it possible for us even to be around. So learning to drop those masks takes time and it takes intentionality and it takes reconnecting to yourself and your own strengths knowing a little bit more about who you are and what you bring to the table, which is why this exercise is so important. So that if you do find yourself in a room with folks that have the ability to connect with you in meaningful or mutually beneficial ways, you've got the confidence to realize that you should be in that room or else we don't show up at all, right? So finding the right community doesn't work if we don't feel comfortable being there and being part of it. Give example of this. The first time I was invited to be a trustee on a board, I was by far, by decades, the youngest person in the room and one of very few people who would identify as being a woman in the room. And so I had this sense of, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? What do I bring to the table? They're all going to realize that I have nothing to offer here at some point. I feel so embarrassed to be in the room. And so my plan was just listen for a while. I didn't contribute a lot to the conversation for multiple meetings, which meant for longer than a year. I just listened. I just listened. And one day we were talking about being a more inclusive board and welcoming in more people. And I mentioned in that conversation that as being one of the younger people on the board, one of the things that made it non-inclusive was that there was a really significant donation expected to be made on the half of all board members. And I said, look, I'm in the phase of running a company where most of my funds go back into my business. I'm not at the place where a lot of board members were of being able to give back and to be philanthropic on a larger scale yet. And I said, so for me, it was really intimidating to be in this room. And I had this sense of not really quite fitting in. And everybody was very kind in that moment. They nodded. A couple of people said, thank you for saying that. That was the end of it. And the meeting went on. And it was later that multiple board members came up to me and said, Carly, I'm so glad you said that. I was terrified when I started on this board too. And these are people that to me, I thought had it all together. They were decades my senior. They were highly established. I had heard their voices before. They had so much to bring to the table. And I thought, really? They thought the same way I did? It just took one of us to crack. It just took one of us to share a little bit of vulnerability. And I was only able to do that because I've seen other people dare to speak honestly and see the connections that are made when we're able to do that. So just remember, if you find yourself in the room, you deserve to be there. You need to be there. They need you. You are bringing something. You do belong there. You might not fully know what that special thing is yet that you're packing, but by golly, it is in there. So be willing to let it unfold, okay? Be willing to continue to explore what is it that I admire or I respect and how might I already be doing it and can just turn the flame up on that a little bit more. 
So that in the face of feeling wowed by others and wondering what it is you have to offer, the question isn't, what am I doing here? The question becomes, what am I going to do with the opportunity to be in this conversation? So start simple and with real intention. Those two things, keeping it basic and on purpose really does work wonders when it comes to cultivating community. And next week, I'm going to be back to talk about what to do to begin to include both you and other folks in our communities so that we're welcoming yourself to the arms of your own caring community and also making sure that other people are safe and welcome there. Because remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including seeing yourself do the things that you admire, respect, or appreciate. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.